This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today, especially are we delighted to have those who may be watching for the very first time. Thank you for tuning in to watch Getting to Know Your Bible. We have those who watch every time we're on the air. We thank you for watching as well. Now today on our telecast, we're going to discuss this topic, Treasure in Earthen Vessels. I hope that you'll stay tuned. We are offering today a free Bible correspondence course, and I want to emphasize that this course is free. We're not charging for it. You're not going to be asked for a check. You're not going to be asked for a credit card. We want to send it to you absolutely free. We want you to have it in order that you might understand more about the course and that you might know how to receive the course. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-711. 5214. I want to read now from 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 3. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. In ourselves, your bondservants, for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. I want to call your attention especially to verse 7 where Paul said we have this treasure in earthen vessels. A vessel is merely a container it's just, and earthen means of the earth. So he's talking about a vessel that was of the earth. In the ninth chapter of Acts and in verse 15, Paul is referred to as a ver vessel. Listen to it. He is a chosen vessel of mine. That's what the Lord said. Paul was a chosen vessel. He was an earthen vessel to be used by the Lord. Today, for just a little while, I want us to think about that treasure in earthen vessels. And the gospel is a treasure. We just read about that treasure here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 through verse 7. And what a treasure it is indeed. When we have something that we consider to be a treasure, something that we consider to be valuable, 
we're going to safeguard that treasure. And the gospel is a treasure. What value do you place on that treasure, that is, on the gospel? We should value the purity of the gospel. That is, we should want to keep the gospel pure. In Galatians, the first chapter, Paul in verses 6 through 9 is talking about those who had corrupted the gospel. Listen to him. I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to, to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so say now again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than that what you have received, let him be accursed. So we need to value the purity of the gospel, and Paul is talking about those who had perverted the gospel. So we need to always treasure the purity of the gospel, and at no time, under no circumstance, should we ever want to pervert the gospel. But then we need to value the power of the gospel. What, what power is there in it anyway? Well, in Romans 1.16, Paul wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. What is the power of God? The gospel. And what does that power do? It is the power of God unto salvation. And so we need to value the power of the gospel. You see, the gospel is a treasure. Value its purity. Value its power. We also need to value its proclamation. I think about the statement Paul made in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 when he said, Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. We need to be those who are willing to preach the gospel. And every Christian ought to be a proclaimer of the gospel of Christ. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And as a Christian, I need to do everything that I can to take this treasure to those who have not heard. So the gospel is a treasure. And that treasure was in an earthen vessel. Jesus Christ came into the world to save. Luke 19 and 10 says, The Son of Man is coming to seek and to save that which is lost. And he lived for 33 plus years on this earth. And during that period of time, Jesus had power to forgive sin. He did when he came to the house of, of the little man by the name of Zacchaeus. When the woman was caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 8, Jesus there exercised his power to forgive sin. But with Jesus Christ's death on the cross of Calvary, Jesus abrogated the law under which he lived in his lifetime, and that was the law of Moses. In Colossians 2.14, the Bible says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which was against us, which was contrary to us, taking it out of the way and nailing it to his cross. 
Jesus died. He took the law under which he had been living himself. That is the law of Moses. And Jesus nailed that law to the cross. He abrogated it. He abolished that law. And when he abolished that law, he gave a new law. And it was his will that was enforced. In Hebrews, the ninth chapter, beginning in verse number 15, there the Bible reads like this, And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant, that they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all, while the testator liveth. So Jesus Christ lived under the Old Testament law. And Jesus Christ died on the cross, and by dying... He abrogated the old, and he gave the new. And today we live under the New Testament, the last will and testament of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ promised that he was going to send the Spirit to guide men in the revealing of all truth to the world. In John 16 and 13, he said, How be it? When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he shall guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he heareth, that shall he speak. Now Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit that will guide these inspired men in the revealing of all truth to the world. And by the time the last uh, inspired man died. All truth had been revealed to the world. Jude 3 says, We have the faith that's been once for all delivered to the saints. The gospel is complete. Uh, we're told in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 and 3 that we have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that God wants us to know has been revealed in the Bible. Paul made that so clear in 2 Timothy chapter 3, when beginning in verse 14 he said, Continue thou in the things which thou hast been known and been assured of, uh, uh, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable, it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I don't know how much plainer Paul could have made it. The Bible that has been revealed to us, the will of God that has been revealed to us by these inspired men who were guided by the Holy Spirit, they've revealed to us everything God wants us to know. Now, that would exclude so-called latter-day revelations. Now, during the time that the, the message was being revealed, the message was in earthen vessels. The message was in a man, that is, these inspired men. 
And they were to carry the message as earthen vessels to all mankind. For example, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Romans the 10th chapter, beginning in verse 13, there the Bible reads like this, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on him of whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of, of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our record. And then so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the gospel in those days was in an earthen vessel, that it was in a man, inspired men. And they were to carry the gospel to all of the world. Now the gospel today in its revealed form is to be carried to the world by earthen vessels. But the message is not in the man today. The message is, to, is in the revealed word of God today. But you see, they did not have the Bible as you and I have it. They could not turn to Romans chapter 10 and start reading in verse 13. They were in the process of having these books that we have in the New Testament revealed. So these inspired men had the message, they had the message revealed to them. They were earthen vessels. Philip was an earthen vessel. In the 8th chapter of Acts, Philip had gone down to the city of Samaria. If you'll look in Acts chapter 5, beginning uh, Acts chapter 8, rather in verse 5, he went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to the people. And verse 12 says, When they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And then his labors were interrupted. In the 26th verse, an angel of the Lord spake to, spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he rose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chair, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And so here's a man who was reading from the Old Testament. And verse 29 says, Then Philip said, the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, and he said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. Now when Philip got in the chariot, the place which he read was this, and this is in the Old Testament from the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. Who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And so as he began to talk about this, the man asked him, Of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Now notice verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth, beginning at this scripture, that Old Testament scripture, preached Jesus to him. And as they went on their, 
uh, down the road. They came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And, and then Philip said, If you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he was baptized. You see, Philip was an earthen vessel. He didn't have the book of Romans to turn to, and he didn't have the book of Acts to turn. He, he, was in the, he was a part of the book of Acts being revealed eventually to all mankind. The message was in the man. He was an earthen vessel. When you turn over to the ninth chapter of Acts, we find a man by the name of Saul was persecuting Christians. And this man later was known as the Apostle Paul. But he had authority to put men and women in prison and as he was on his way, uh, there was a light that shone around about him, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the, and the voice said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And Saul asked this question, if you'll notice in Acts 9 and 6, he, he asked the Lord the question, uh, What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And he told him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Somebody was going to have to tell him what he needed to do. So he arose, and he went into the city, and there was a man by the name of Ananias that came to Saul. And uh, in verse 17 says, Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and he was baptized. It took an earthen vessel to tell the man what he needed to do. You see, Saul of Tarsus did not have the book of Acts to read, he didn't have the book of Romans to read. He didn't have any New Testament book to read. He's the man who would eventually be inspired to write a great portion of the New Testament. In that period of time, the gospel was in an earthen vessel. It was in a man, an inspired man. And then when we turn to the 10th chapter of Acts, we find that the apostle Peter was an earthen vessel. He came to the house of a man by the name of Cornelius, who was a centurion, and he was a devout man. He's a man that feared God with his house, and he gave alms generously, and he prayed to God all the time. And so Cornelius was such a good man. And Cornelius was told to send for Peter to come to his house. I want to fast forward just a little bit to the 11th chapter of Acts, and I want you to look at verse 14, and then we'll drop back and tell the entire story. In, in Acts chapter 11, Peter left the house of Cornelius eventually, went back to Jerusalem, and his Jewish brethren were concerned because he had been preaching to Gentiles. And so he began to rehearse by order the things that took place at the house of Cornelius. And he was told... That, that, he was in, that Cornelius was told to send for a man by the name of Peter. That's in verse 13. And here is the reason that Peter was to come to the house of Cornelius, who will tell you words by which you in all your household 
will be saved. You see, it's going to take an earthen vessel to tell Cornelius and his family what they needed to do in order to be saved. So when Peter came to the house of Cornelius, he began to preach to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. First thing Cornelius wanted to do was to fall down and to, to, to worship Peter, but Peter told him to stand up. He said, I'm just a man. And then his Peter said, I, I, in truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. And then he preached to Cornelius and his household about Jesus. And eventually, if you notice verses 47 and 48, they were commanded to be baptized. You see, Cornelius didn't have the book of Acts to read where you have recorded various examples of conversion. No, no. He, he was in the process of be, becoming one of those examples that would be recorded in the Bible. They didn't have the Bible. The message was in an earthen vessel, and it was in Peter in this case. Today we have the message in written form. All truth has been revealed to the world. All truth. When Jesus promised the coming of the Holy Spirit, He said He will, re he will guide you into all truth. Now the message is not in a man as in the first century. Sometimes a person say, well, you know, the Lord spoke to me or I'm inspired to tell you. No, no, no. Those men were inspired by the Holy Spirit. The apostles were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And they were inspired to write so that they could reveal the will of God to us as we have it today in the Bible. Now when men no longer have any respect for the Bible and, and they want to elevate their, their ideas above the Bible, then they may say something like that. But the message today is not in a man. I don't care who he is. I don't care what he says. The message is not in a man as it was in the first century. Men are to carry the revealed message to people that don't know about it. We're to take the gospel that has been revealed and, and carry that gospel to the world. Today, the preaching of the gospel depends upon man. Now, in that sense, I suppose it's in, a, in an earthen vessel. That is, an earthen vessel is to take the revealed message that's been revealed that's the reason Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And the Lord doesn't have a backup plan for doing that. He has no other plan for doing that. Doing that. The, the, the preaching of the gospel is absolutely essential for the caring of the gospel to lost mankind. And we need to be vessels today, as Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 2.21, that are meet for the master's use or suitable or usable for the master's use. What kind of a vessel are we? And the Lord needs a useful vessel. And the Lord is not going to use dirty vessels. We need to be cleansed and sanctified vessels. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26. Now, I want to ask you a question. The gospel is a treasure, but what will you do with this treasure? We don't have it in a man today, that is, an inspired man. 
we have the inspired book, and it's a treasure. What will you do with this treasure? Well, I know what some people do. They, they neglect it. Uh, Paul even wrote in Romans 10, 16, but they've not all obeyed the gospel. They've not all obeyed the gospel. There may be a lot of reasons that people do not obey the gospel. Uh, one reason some may not, uh, not obey the gospel is because they've never been taught. They've never been taught. Maybe another reason that men have never obeyed the gospel is, well, maybe they really intend to, but they're just procrastinating. So what are you going to do with this treasure? Don't neglect it. Don't neglect this treasure. But on the other hand, there are some that obey the gospel, that they value the gospel, that they want to live by the gospel, they want to obey the gospel, and they want to die by the promises that are found in the gospel. When I think about someone who, or some ones who valued the gospel, I think of the people of Corinth. And, and the people of Corinth had such a, put such a premium on the gospel when they heard it. Acts 18 and verse 8 says, Many of the Corinthians hearing, so they heard the gospel, believed, they believed the gospel, and were baptized. They obeyed the gospel. So what are you going to do with this gospel treasure? I'd urge you to obey the gospel. As a believer in Jesus Christ, be willing to repent of your sins and be willing to, as a penitent believer, a confessing believer, to be baptized, as did the people in Corinth. What a treasure we have today. The treasure the gospel. Let's not neglect it. Let's obey it. Now in the closing moments, I'd like to give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community. You'll find people who treasure the gospel. You'll find preachers who are preaching the gospel. And we want you to visit with us as soon as you possibly can. And also right now, before we close, please right now pick up the telephone and call for the free Bible Correspondence Course. We have thousands of people who have already done that. We want you to be one of those thousands studying this treasure for yourself. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you, is my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 
Summerdale, Alabama, 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.